Welcome to This Week in Lotus. The weekly roundtable discussion of all things social, collaboration, technology and community. Here's your host, Stuart McIntyre. This Week in Lotus, Episode 6 for Thursday, 1st July 2010. Stop that tweeting! This Week in Lotus is sponsored by Moo.com. The home of the finest custom business cards, mini cards, postcards, and much more. For more information and for details of exclusive promotional offers, browse to thisweekinlotus.com. Moo. Hello and welcome to another episode of This Week in Lotus. We're back for our sixth episode of a roundtable chat and discussion around all things Lotus, uh, social, community, technology and more. Today with me again, as usual, I have Darren Duke. Hi there, Darren. Hey, Stuart. How are you? I'm really good, thank you. Looking forward to the weekend once again. How's your week been? Uh, busy, as with normal end of quarter stuff so for those that don't know when you're in the software business or many sales business the end of quarters are always a bit hectic as the deals are trying to get done so i've been traveling quite a bit and uh we sold uh um, we, we hit our target that's always good excellent good news so ibm are happy with you uh, i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. Well, it's it's great to have you on the podcast again. It's been a, an interesting week with some some good news stories and some uh, debatable topics, uh, particularly around some blog posts that have gone on Planet Lotus and so on. So I look forward to chatting those through with you and the rest of our guests. Joining us this week, uh, we have a triumvirate of um, male guests. First up, we have Ray Davies, somebody who I've worked with uh, an awful lot in the past when he was based in the UK, working for IBM. He's now moved abroad. So where are you now, Ray? Morning, Stuart. Uh, it's uh, nice to speak to you guys again. Obviously, it's afternoon over here, but yeah. that's good. Um, I work in IBM Malaysia now. I'm uh, the lab services lead down here. I've moved from our pre-sales department to lab services, and uh, I'm enjoying every day over here. Um, sometimes I think about the UK, you know. I think about my colleagues uh, and what we had in the UK, and I reminisce a little bit, and then I look out the window and see the, the brilliant weather here, and <laughs> then I don't miss you guys anymore. <laughs> yeah, don't expect us to feel sorry for you, Ray, okay? Okay, no problem. <laughs> so what do you do in lab services? Um, the uh, lab services here are really ISSL. Uh, so I'm a little bit like Dave Hay. In fact, I've copied Dave Hay's uh, uh, saying, uh, no pay, no da- no hay, and with me is no pay, no Ray. <laughs> so, so I'm part of ISSL, yeah. Great. Okay, well, great to have you on the podcast. Look forward to hearing more from you as we go through. Also with us today, we have James Cadwell, who works for a business partner and also a customer of Lotus in the UK, Stereo. How are you, James? Very well, thank you. I've been enjoying the uh, weather this week. Yeah, it's been glorious in the UK. Hopefully it will continue. I think it's going to start raining tomorrow, just in time for the weekend. Great. (laughs) (laughs) It's Wimbledon, so it kind of has to rain this week too. Yeah, so long as Murray does well at the weekend, then uh, he's uh, all good. It's yeah. got to uh, make up for the misery of the football. And they've got to justify the expense they put into that new roof that they haven't used once this year too. That's right. <laughs> so what are you working on at the moment, James? What technologies do you specialise in and, and what kind of work do you do with Stereo? Stereo, as you uh, said, uh, business partner with uh, Domino. We're also a, 
the ninth largest system integrator in uh, Europe. Um, and w internally, we have a uh, Domino implementation for um, mail and applications, which is about 19,000 users. We also run one of the largest Domino implementations in the UK for the probation service as uh, part of the Ministry of Justice, which is 23,000 users. Um, I work within the government sector, but I also work across our vertical architects community. So my day job, if you like, is as the uh, Infrastructure Technical Design Authority, which includes Domino within that uh, government sector. Certainly a lot of the uh, the conversations we have in the government space is that, um, you know, they really are still working in that enterprise 1.0 world of documents and, and emails and trying to, you know, lead them forward. But I think that's something we, we tend to forget in our bubble and, and with our technology technological bent in terms of you know using the latest mobile phones and being into social software and so on is, is how a lot of businesses are still kind of trying to catch up and trying to to embrace collaboration let alone looking towards the social side so that's a really good aspect to have thank you james um and finally with us today we also have um, somebody else i've worked with an awful lot in the past um from cardiff university we have andrew frailing hi there andrew hello hello how, how's things with you yeah, things are good, thanks. Um, taking some time out at the moment. Um, closed off a, a few projects before I left. Excellent. But things are good at the moment. And I understand you're, you're on site at Cardiff tomorrow to make our quicker implement, implementation live. That's right, that's right. Lot, lots going on there. Uh, some really interesting stuff around quicker for Domino and how it scales to large number of users. So, so maybe we can discuss that a little bit later on. So, um, so that's great. So great to have you on board, Andrew. Really appreciate you joining us. So as usual today, we're going to run through um, a whole series of topics that we've kind of listed beforehand. We'll get through as many of them as we can in the hour or so we have. And then uh, towards the end, we'll look at some tips from the people on the call in terms of things that you might want to have a look at, uh, loyal listeners, and, and work out whether you can embrace them in what you do. So let's kick off with um, our first topic of the day, which is around um, mobile technology. It's been quite a big... A week for for mobiles. We've obviously had the iPhone 4 launch uh, a week or so ago. Lots of discussion around upgrades to iOS 4 on uh, existing devices as well, and some of the issues around that. Uh, and then some news yesterday around Microsoft phones as well. So it's been quite an interesting week. Um, I guess let, let's start off with the iPhone. How many iPhone users do we have on this call? I, I'm one. I'll put my hand up. Anybody else using the iPhone? No, no, but I'm a very heavy user of uh, an iTouch as a uh, as a day-to-day -day device as well as a an iPod. And I think yeah, me too. Ray, you've got one, yeah. So, so have you yeah. guys upgraded to iOS four? Yeah, yeah. And uh, the the uh, preview saying it should only take about half an hour was a lie. <laughs> mine took the be mine took the be best part of an hour and forty minutes. Okay. It's, you know, working off a three-year-old MacBook Pro, fair enough, but um, it was a, a lengthy process. But, I, you know, I'm on a second-generation iTouch, um, and it's not brought the, the flashy stuff of the, uh, the multitasking and the wallpapering, but it does certainly seem smoother, quicker, 
um, and moves in and out of applications, you know, more effectively than it did before. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like there's been some issues with speed on some upgraded iPhones uh, with iOS 4. I haven't managed to get mine up to, to 4 yet, so I can't vouch whether that's the case. Uh, anybody who was on Twitter yesterday might have seen my my very smashed iPhone that I dropped getting off the train yesterday <laughs> morning. So um, when that gets repaired or, or replaced, I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. It, it, I mean, the, the big topic really has been the antenna issues, I think, with the iPhone 4. Yeah, it's made for very interesting reading. But it's, it's interesting because Apple is held up as being such you know, a design factory, really, isn't it, in, ter in terms of really great industrial design. Uh, and mm. they made a big thing in terms of the announcement, in terms of the, the metal strip that goes around the outside and how that's been designed, again, to increase the amount of bandwidth and so on available to, to wireless technologies. It seems strange that they made this mistake. Um, I mean, Darren, have you been following the story? Yeah, and I'm left-handed, so if they need a tester, feel free to ship me an iPad and an iPhone and an iTouch and an iPod, and I will make sure left-handed people can use all of them. Um, I think it is kind of amusing that, that Apple, you know, about every decade or so, they squarely shoot themselves in the foot, and it's took them an awful long time to do it this time, and I thought they'd eventually got out of the, we've got the world almost by the short and curlies, and then we're going to let go. And they were doing so well, and then, you know, all the hype over the iPhone, all the pre-work that Gizmodo did, and then if you hold it in the wrong place, it just stops. Uh, I don't think the other phone vendors, BlackBerry or, or HTC or, or even Microsoft, I don't think they could have paid for some advertising like this. I think this is kind of classic, actually. I think it is. I mean, one of the interesting posts, we'll link to it again in the show notes, as we normally do, is on Engadget. They, they talked about um, Steve Jobs' response to an email. So somebody uh, wrote to, to Steve Jobs <laughs> yeah. saying, I love my iPhone, but when I put my hand on the steel bands, I lose all reception. It seems to be a common issue. issue. Any plans to fix this? And got a one-line response from Steve Jobs saying, just avoid holding it that way. Which, yeah. which I think is fascinating. I mean, imagine if IBM responded to a Lotus customer with an online email saying, just don't do it. You know, it, it just wouldn't work, would it? No, it's like the old gag, doctor, doctor, you know, it hurts when I do this. Well, <laughs> don't do it then. Yeah. It's, so, you know, they've, I do think they have admitted a little bit of maybe we knew this was coming by there's a $29 rubber bumper that you can buy that is supposed to... <laughs> Um, negate some of these issues. I've also noticed on on some of the more technical reviews of the of the iPhone four is that a lot of the commentators were expecting there to be some kind of um, insulation coating on top of the stainless steel antenna, you know, like um, you know a, a rubberizing protective layer or something. But it is. Bare, bare stainless steel just separated. Yeah. Uh, see, what, what what I don't get is if if I've got a TV or a radio that's not not getting reception, and if I touch it, I get better reception. Apple have managed to reverse the laws of <laughs> yeah. physics. I, I think I think what happens is your hand um, connects two of the two of the antennas. I, th I think yeah, that's, that's right. what happens. So it kind of shares the you know the link between them. So um, anyway, I'm sure they'll sure they'll come up with something. I have I've have heard those bumper protectors as as being talked about as iPhone nappies, which <laughs> has a certain, <laughs> certain ring to it. Um, it's for the Americans, for the Americans, he means iPhone diapers. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Darren, for translating. <laughs> 
<laughs> Great. Um, there was an interesting post, uh, I think um, James is alluding to it, on Anantech that uh, Volker Weber uh, tweeted about today. Again, we'll have it in the show notes, where they did some really interesting tests, very, very thorough in terms of comparing the... Um, the signal on the iPhone 4 against previous versions of the iPhone and also HTC devices and others. And they found that actually in, in most use cases, the iPhone 4 has got very, very good signal. It's just when you happen to hold it in your left hand. So maybe it's, maybe it's the phone, not for all of us, but for 70% of us or how many people are right-handed. <laughs> for the non-geniuses. That's how I look at it. <laughs> not biased at all, Dan. <laughs> Okay, uh, and then there was a um, another story yesterday um, that came out that uh, I've got a particular sort of soft feeling for, which is around the Microsoft Kin being killed off. Uh, I've heard it tweeted as it being "Who killed Kinney?" Uh, you know, alluding to South Park, um, and and I, I think. Those who haven't come across the Microsoft Kin, it was aimed very much at the kids and teens. The idea was to make a very social phone that had a, a full access um, out of the box to Twitter and Facebook and, and MySpace and so on. Uh, that kind of worked like a smartphone, but was a little bit more limited and much cheaper to produce and work with. And, and yet it seems to have gone in, on sale in the US and sold, according to some reports, between 500 and 1,000 devices in a couple of months, which clearly isn't going to make anybody any money. So has anybody seen the, seen the kin out on the, out on the streets or seen it for sale? No, I, I haven't. Seen it. Sorry, go ahead. No, I think it's, it was trying to take the sidekick on to the next level, wasn't it, and try and piggyback on some of the success of, of that with the, the, the more teen market. Because um, Microsoft it, bought Danger, didn't they? Who, that's who right. created the sidekick originally? And I've got, I've got a friend that works for for Danger and and was taken into Microsoft, and, and he's obviously been working very hard on this, and it's quite sad to see it it being killed off so soon. It was particularly before it went on sale in in Europe as well. I mean, one of the interesting things is extrapolating this to you know Microsoft mobile devices as a whole. How how does that? work out looking forward to Windows Phone 7 or Windows 7 Phone Edition or whatever it's called. Um, Andrew, do you have a feel? Do many of your users use Microsoft mobile devices? Um, not really, no. I mean, uh, we're predominantly BlackBerry for the yeah. enterprise. Um, big push on iPhone at the moment. Um, a lot of pressure to, to support iPhone. Um, personally, I'm an yeah. Android fanboy. Yeah, oh, I mean, we've we've seen very little demand for Windows mobile devices. Again, I, I'd agree with Andrew that it's been principally uh, BlackBerry, particularly in the government space where BlackBerry have made the effort on getting um, security uh, accreditation for uh, you know for their devices and the support for encryption, which you know Apple do need to catch up on. Um, you know the higher levels of encryption on the iPhone before it can be taken. You know, into a wider use in in, in the government world. I think I, I've never seen a Microsoft Windows mobile phone for probably eight years. Um, I will say I have seen the adverts on the TV for the Kin over here in the yeah. states, um, and and it looked it looked a bit of a weird device. It reminded me a lot of the old style seven thousand Blackberries, the ones that look like hockey pucks that you could really you know you. you could, play hockey with them and it still work it was kind of like that, that build yeah. um yeah. and i didn't I, I knew it'd been released i i don't think i ever put the connection together that that was actually the kin when i saw all of the 
the furore that happened yesterday when Microsoft mentioned they killed it. But I think it's kind of interesting from from a Microsoft mobile perspective is, you know, ActiveSync is is the second probably most used mobile transport mechanism after a Bez today. So from a software standpoint, they've actually done a very good success with integrating Exchange and also IBM licensing it for Traveler. So from a software standpoint, Microsoft have done really well burying their, their software deep into enterprise mobile. But mm-hmm. for the life of them, they just cannot come up with a mechanism to turn that into a useful and meaningful device that people actually want. Well, I, I had a couple of uh, Windows mobile devices probably about five years ago. Orange in the UK marketed their own phones, SPVs they were called, which were HTC handsets that ran Windows mobile. And and the issue always was that it used to crash. Typically when you tried to pick up a phone call, you, know, you, you pretty much get the, the mobile version of a blue screen of death. And, and <laughs> you know, the battery life was appalling and so on. And, yeah. and, and it kind of died away at that stage and and for me it seems quite irrelevant um you know and therefore it's particularly with android coming on strong it seems to have completely overridden that sort of uh, oem device mainstream operating system kind of model that microsoft used to thrive on on mobile devices it now seems to be android that everybody's picking to put on their new devices but i will say that i think two things one you're exactly right, Stuart. I had the same problem when I had a Windows mobile phone. And the story I used to tell people was, you can take Windows out of a PC, but you can't take the crash out of Windows. <laughs> um, the second point is, I think Google need to be really careful with Android because one of the reasons Microsoft's mobile OS didn't take off is the same reason a lot of J2ME phones failed, is the fragmentation of a, of a development platform. And and. One thing BlackBerry got right and Apple got right from the get-go is it's our phone every phone gets the same thing and it's a base install and one of the reasons I think Microsoft eventually failed in this is because theirs was not like that it was a fragmented API most of the Java phones that failed had the same problem and I think Google with Android need to be real careful doing that as well I think you're right Um, and so let's bring this back to to Lotus for a little while Um, IBM has released I think it was the week before last the beta of Traveller um, sorry, beta for American listeners. <laughs> um, I got told off for calling it beta by somebody recently. Um, so, uh, beta traveler on Android. Um, again, I, I, I'm guessing with with what we've already said about Android that, that people haven't tried that yet. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that takes off, whether there's enough Android users out there that need it to see it pushing traveler forward in terms of adoption. Uh, well, over here in Malaysia, the... <coughs> the uh, Android market is alive and well. We have several groups here doing lots of interesting development. Uh, yesterday we had a big conference and there was a Birds of Feather session with, uh, and was led by Nazrul Kamarudan. He's uh, heading the Code Android Malaysia group here. And they're doing some very, very interesting stuff. So, uh, you know, obviously they don't use Traveler yet. I'm working on that. Um, but the market is certainly growing over here. That's great to hear. And it's good to see IBM, you know, uh, endorsing Android at what's quite an early stage. Um, and I, I think they particularly, you know, reading between the lines, it seems that they really uh, have been impressed with how Traveller has taken off. I don't think anybody in, in IBM really expected it to be adopted as quickly as, they, as, as it has. And it's a way of grabbing back, I guess, some of that control from possibly RIM with their BES technology and, you know, and obviously the exchange users out there in terms of giving more 
of a of an IBM presence on mobile phones, and and obviously therefore oh. taking away one of the reasons why people might move away from from Lotus Notes, mm. which hasn't necessarily been very strong on mobile devices in the past. Also, don't forget that uh, the Android SDK sits on Eclipse. That's a big driver for us. Okay. Um, so. So when you when you bring up your Eclipse framework and you download the Android uh, uh, development kit, then that's where you do all your work. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I do. Stuff. I do think it's been one of IBM's best moves uh, of late is to embrace, you know, the non-Windows platforms. You know, ensuring everything works on. Linux, making sure everything works on Mac through web browsers. Uh, you know. For me, that's just been a, a masterstroke, really. And, and, Andrew, and the next version of Traveller, um, subject to obviously the beta conditions that what I may say may not appear in the product, it, <laughs> it, 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 will, it should work on Linux Domino servers. So now you can put Traveller on a, on a Linux Domino server and add that to your environment. You don't have to burn a Windows server cal. And just touching on the Android thing again, I, I think I mentioned this last week or the week before when Matt White was back on the call. I'm, I'm thinking about switching to Android. Um, the, I'm, I'm looking to get the first 4G phone in the world, which is the Sprint Evo. And apparently that thing, I, I, we do a lot of stuff with Sprint. And I, I would think if there was a free one to be had, I would have had one by now. And huh. we cannot get one for love nor money. I, I think Sprint have been totally shocked by how many people are buying their 4G phone. And, you know, I, I was after it so I could get on, because we're design partners, so we've got the Android beta code already. We just don't have a phone to run it on. Um, so I, I think Sprint are, 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 are pleasantly surprised how, how, how that phone is selling. And I also think that reiterates IBM, I think, are pleasant, pleasantly surprised on how well Traveller's taken off. Because when it first came out, my, my assumption was it was a checkbox. It was a checkbox, a bit like quicker entry was when you're going up against other messaging platforms. And it was just a, they have this feature, we have this feature, they have this feature, they, we have this feature. Yeah. But I think the iPhone coming out changed that radically, and I think Droid as well. So kudos to IBM. I think this has been a very good product. I, I, think, I think if I come in here from IBM's side, I, I think something that people miss here is that we have basis on, Google has basis on the Eclipse framework. So I'll post a link uh, through to the, the group later on. But if you look at some of the stuff that uh, they're doing on Android at the moment, it, it is the Java Eclipse runtime. Putting in a plugin is exactly what we do in Nodes. Uh, the coding is exactly the same in Nodes. So this, this has been a growth area for us. So behind the scenes, we've done a lot of work on this platform. And uh, people may say we're catching up with iPhone and so I'm actually we've been doing this in parallel for a while now and the developers really like this environment it's it's very much what we used to in the notes world now and and also what that's what rim did so when rim retooled their development environment they moved it all to eclipse i'm yep. surprised google did because google liked to invent their own free stuff and then kill everyone else's free stuff so i'm yeah, surprised uh, google did that um, but yeah, you know, I'd, I'd say Eclipse is a de facto development environment now for probably 80% of a market with maybe the exception of Oracle and Microsoft. Yes, uh, and yesterday I was at this Birds of a Feather session, uh, which was late at night. And uh, these guys do magic with Eclipse, I tell you. I, I thought I knew Eclipse, so they really know Eclipse. 
Good stuff. Well, I look forward to, to hearing more about that. Perhaps, Ray, again, if you can send through that link, we'll get that in the show sure. notes and, uh, and share that with more people. La- lastly, on, on the mobile devices, um, Google Voice has now been opened up from uh, beta to now being a fully sort of public service, but still only in the US. Darren, have you used Google Voice at all? No. I, I try not to talk to people. I'm an IT guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I can come in on that as well, um, yeah. and I, I can see where you're going with this. And, and this, there was a discussion about this last night. Uh, part of the reason it's not taking off is that the telcos that run this have to sign an agreement to run Google Voice across their networks, and that's actually the stopping. That's what's stopping this uh, uptake because the telcos have to give away some of their rights because previously they said that Voice could not go over the network Google Voice. And now they have to agree to certain terms to allow this. And uh, in Malaysia, in Asian region at the moment, there's some issues with some of our uh, mobile telcos. Uh, yeah, and in, in the US, it was actually an interesting kind of cat and mouse game because the, the, the phone providers wanted the US government to treat Google like a phone provider. And Google were like, no, 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 all we do is we do data. And so there was a big fight, and I guess eventually that got solved somewhere. So we saw that here for about the last nine months, and I guess that's been solved now that it's opened up in the US. I, I Wasn't there in- continue to evolve as well with things like um, you know video conferencing over mobile devices as well? You know, obviously the iPhone four has got FaceTime, and and again that kind of merge of, of data and voice and and how phone calls and, and video calls are transacted across mobile networks is is obviously going to really develop over the next year or so, I would think. Then the three network in the UK did were pushing the Skypey phone, and um, on contract there was no charge for um, Skype usage or or even uh, Windows Live Messenger usage, but it just really never took off. It's still that step too far, I think, for. Joe Public to have really taken off on voice over IP, if you like, on a on a on a mobile device. And it'll be interesting to see if if Apple adopting um, FaceTime will, will make it into the, the I'd say the Joe Public kind of user base, or whether it's still yeah. going to be a very techy technology. So me- yeah, I mean, I I bought a Sony 3G phone from Vodafone four years ago on the basis that it had two cameras and could do video calling and then nobody else bought one. (laughs) (laughs) That's always going to be the problem. Be interested to see how many iPhone 4s they sell that allow that. So um, moving on then, um, it's been another interesting week in the Lotus community and and by that really I guess I'm framing that by um, planetlotus.org and the stuff that's been going on there. And there's been some interesting ideas coming through from people in the community in terms of how... They get news out and uh, how they portray the news um, more generally. Um, the, the first one I'm going to pick out is Peter Presnell, who um, has been writing some really impressive blog posts over the last year or so, has now started a daily post called At Today in Lotus, um, really, really trying to bring together the daily news, um, particularly for the developer community. Has anybody else seen that? Wow. Is he trying to show you up, Stuart? He's doing <laughs> weekly and he does daily. <laughs> I'm going to do hourly. 
<laughs> yeah, at some point you've got to get some work done though, as Peter has. So um, I'm I'm quite impressed he's managed to keep it up daily uh, so far. So um, it's some interesting content in there, and it's it's good, particularly maybe as a, a mailing list type format, which I think he's using to to get that news out to other people that don't necessarily read uh, Planet Lotus. And, and I, I think it's a good idea. I think it's a bit misnamed. It really should be development today in Lotus or something like that. Um, because it really, and I think he even says in, in the post, this is for the developers, but I think it's good to get the news out there that, hey, stuff is happening in the development community. You know, it's not like the, the surface of the moon. Stuff is going on around here kind of idea. Um, so I actually think it's a, it's a very, very good idea. And that's not just because he put a very nice post about us out there, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> Although that always helps. Um, And then the other one I wanted to uh, pick out is um, around uh, some of the videos that have been posted, particularly in the last 24 hours. We're recording this on Thursday. Yesterday, there were a couple of videos that came out, one by uh, Chris Tui of Domino Guru uh, and another one from uh, Stefan Wazel, I think, uh, who Ray's working with, I think, quite a lot at the moment. Um, Chris's was was really around how... um, yeah, we have a jungle bird in the background. I can only imagine that's coming from Malaysia. Um, it sure is. <laughs> so um, Chris Tuiz was very much around X pages and how people don't necessarily um, wish to adopt new technologies because they they feel safe with what they've used before, particularly forms and views in, in Domino. Has, has anybody seen that video? Anybody have particular feelings on that? I'll admit it, I haven't yet seen either because it was end of quarter and I've been traveling. So I, I can't really comment on either. So what I will comment on, though, is I think the developers need to read the user adoption book from Michael Sampson. <laughs> Have you finished that book yet? Um, I think Eric had a, a classic term. I've been, I'm still grazing on it. Um, it's got a lot of interesting charts in there about what the user felt after a specific way they were quote-unquote trained. I don't like to use the word trained, but that's it's kind of interesting to see. Was one-on-one training good for people, or was group training good, or was pre-training good, or was post-training good? And He's got a lot of reports in there, and I think as a, as a, as, as a developer and administrator, you need, to, you need to read the book because it'll give you some ideas out of the box about why when you've got this new singing, new dancing feature, no one uses it. Well, I think Michael's maybe putting a bit of reason behind that. And I think, you know, if this may stop a lot of the, what, why isn't this working? Well, I think we have a reason. You just got to go read it. But I, I need to watch Chris's and, and, and Stefan's movies. And I think Stefan's is a bit X-rated, right? There's some uh, colloquial language used okay. in it. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely not safe for work. Um, but very interesting in terms of Stefan's approach was, was and I, I must find out who um, created the video. I'm assuming it's Stefan because he doesn't tell us anybody else. Um, but very much around um, the App Store concept and, and how that might help the community and help uh, Notes and Domino customers. Um, Andrew, I'd be interested from your point of view, given your background, have you got any feelings on the App Store and whether that would help your guys in, in your organization or other ones that you've worked with in the past? Do, do you think it would uh, be something that, that people in IT departments in big corporations or enterprises would go to and download apps and, and use them in the organization? Um, not so sure on App Store. Um, listening to the, the previous podcasts um, and the difference between App Store and App Catalog. I think App Catalog is 
very useful and IBM really, really need to get their act together on having some consistency with the catalogs that they've got um, at the moment. You know, stop jumping between IBM Portal app catalog, Greenhouse, make sure Greenhouse works when you need to go there. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think app catalogs are, are, are useful. I think there needs to be some vetting of the applications that gets put on there. I think that's um, right. Because yeah. it, seems, it seems pretty open at the moment. And but, but who should vet them? That's, I think that's the question, right? Is, is, is it peer vetting? Is it IBM? Is it the person that controls the app catalog, a.k.a. Mayflower software? I mean, that's... What, what, what do you think about that, Andrew? I would think that the person that owns the catalog should vet the apps. Wow. I'm, you know, if, if, if I own a shop, I don't want shoddy products in my shop. And that then comes back to should it be an IBM catalog or is it okay for it to be owned by somebody else, I guess. You know, much as we all complain about um, or some people complain about the process to get apps into, say, Apple's iPhone catalog or iPad catalog uh, or store, the, the thing you do have is, is the knowledge as a user that it's not going to crash, you know, it's not going to break your, your device, it's going to work. And, and as you say, that's the reassurance that it's great for a 199 app, but for a you know, £500 or £5,000 um, or dollar application you're going to install into your Notes and Domino environment, that's even more important, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You and, and I was kind of framing that from a from a ISV trust point standpoint. So this this may sound like Big Brother's watching you, and I walk around with tinfoil on my head, and that's not the case. But or not most of the time. But I don't have a bleed yellow ID. Uh, I don't have a bleed yellow ID. I won't log on to their instant messaging because they are a competitor, man. As much as I like Nathan <laughs> and Scott Hooks, they're a competitor, and I am not going to send any piece of information of that server that can potentially be logged and used against me. And yes, I know they have this bleed yellow consortium or management of like open NTF does, but that doesn't stop the point that I have a trust issue with this. And while I'm not an ISV, Bruce was on a couple of weeks ago and he was saying a couple of things about, I wanna know who's requesting demos of my product because it's my product. And I, I think we, we have a, a trust disconnect still. And I think those problems have to be resolved if, if the app store, the app catalog, or whatever it might be, um, becomes is to become a success. And I, I think we need to hear from IBM too. I, I think it's been very noticeable the last few weeks with all the furore about the app store and so on that there hasn't been too much in the way of um, blogging from Ed and others in the community from an IBM bent as to how they might approach approach that store. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out over the following weeks. So anyway, we'll, we'll include links to both those videos um, Chris's and Stefan's and I'd be interested to see what people think of those maybe leave a comment on our blog and we will put a warning on Stefan's that you might not want to watch that at the office <laughs> absolutely right absolutely <laughs> right um, okay on to um, a next topic which is um, a meme that started uh, by Vaughan Rivet um, I guess at the end of last week maybe beginning of this week um, which where he blogged about the fact he'd sold Lotus Notes to a customer um, it, it's very interesting post in terms of him saying how a customer had, had come to him and bought Lotus Notes Notes wasn't dead it was still a very vibrant product that, that he was selling um, and other people have continued that meme in terms of um, 
Eric and Keith and Sasa have, have all blogged with blog posts that say today we sold dot 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 telling um, how they've sold Lotus products of various types over the last few days um, and and I kind of jumped into that as well so I'd be interested from your point of view um, folks on the call have you read those posts if so how did you feel about them do you think it's good bad indifferent idea I'll go last read them I've been reading your rants about it actually <laughs> Stuart yeah and, and I do, I do agree with you. You, you know, you, you've got to move away from thinking about it in terms of of licensed sales. You've got to think about it in terms of you know selling on features. You know, selling on what benefits the products are going to give you. You know, what business problems is it going to solve for you? You know, what kind of returns is a increase in in collaboration within your company going to bring you you know if if you if you turn into an entirely licensed selling operation you, you might as well be microsoft it's you know you've got to go benefits you've got to go solving problems i i, I really do agree with you yeah i'd i'd agree with that i i hated that meme it reminded me of glen gary glen ross it's just sales salespeople backslapping how they screwed a customer and how much commission they made. You need to show the benefit of what you're selling, not how many units you shifted. Mm. And I'll, I mean, somebody the, might want to tell IBM that. Um, we do that every day. We don't sell product, we sell value. But it's these memes don't help. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I, I, I agree. I think Stuart's point of view, and I admire Stuart for bringing it up and then kind of stepping out from the cage fight. I, I, I think it wasn't a bad idea. I think Vaughn had a good intention. But if, if we, if there is no history of notes being sold or any, any product being sold, if I don't tell anyone, did it really get sold? And I think they're trying to change the perception that no one is selling X. And that's not true. Um, I can't really go into details, but but yesterday we closed a six-figure deal for a Lotus product that's going to save a customer in the long run $400,000 a year. That's maybe the message it should have come across. But I understand where they're coming from. That look, I'm going to stand on my soap on my box and I'm going to get my loudspeaker out and I'm going to shout that I'm selling this. I don't care what anyone else in the world says. It might, you know, notes is dead, happened a couple of months ago. Look, it's not, um, I'm selling it. I, 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 so I didn't read it in the same way everyone else did. Now, I did have to go and look at what meme meant <laughs> before I could comment on this. So I, I kind of agree with both, both sides of this. I think we, we have to be a bit more vocal when the product is being purchased, as, maybe as opposed to sold. Um, but I also agree with, 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 with Stuart's post that we need to maybe change the, 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 the translation of the word sold to the word purchased. You talk about how the customer is making the, the decision, the business choice to go with the Lotus technology rather than just accepting what somebody is trying to sell them. I, I, th I think for me it was it was about how what, which verb was being used as much as anything in, in that selling for me is all about commodity 
and I, I don't see notes, Lotus Notes, Quicker, Connection, Portal, whatever it might be, ever being a commodity. You know, it's about people choosing to adopt a Lotus technology and solutions built on that Lotus technology to improve their business, and, and you know, and to put money into that versus putting it into wages or you know R and D or whatever else that that business might need to spend money on. So for me, it wasn't about selling; it was it was about other things. Yeah, and we always try and sell in you know in terms of in invest to save you know the one of the conversations we've been having with our customers and this gives you an idea of how behind the curve they are has been around getting same time uh, in and adopted and you know the 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 overall cost was very much a footnote in the proposal you know, we were talking in terms of helping them meet their green targets by reducing the amount of uh, unnecessarily uh, wasted car journeys, um, reducing the amount of phone calls that were made, um, reducing the amount of wasted time. Again, people walking from one end of the building to somebody else at the other end of the building only to find that they're not at their desk so that again the presence awareness you're not you're not selling on on features you're not selling on product you're selling on what can it save them what 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 problems can it can it solve for them and on that subject sean cull who was on this uh, podcast a couple of weeks ago posted a really interesting post today about how one of oh. his applications that he's been developing over eight years for one of his customers has sold them multiple hundreds of thousands sorry saved them multiple hundreds of thousands of pounds over that period um and 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 that for me is a tremendous story to tell and i think we need to tell more of those stories because i think that's what's going to get the attention of customers that might be thinking of investing in competing technologies to, to consider Lotus as an option. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes back to, to, to showing the value. We, I, have, I have two customers I can think of that they had Notes apps developed right around when R5 came out. So when was that? That was probably... 99, 2000 kind of time. Yeah, it was probably Y2K then. And them applications, the two applications for two different companies have probably generated over $50 million in revenue for one company. And I, I can't even think how much the other company, maybe it, it, they've got like 12 employees and they probably revenue a couple of million dollars a year just off 12 employees. And that's all because it's on notes. Which is just fabulous, isn't it? And, and do, do you think, I mean, have you managed to get that made into a reference by IBM? That takes an act of God. Um, <laughs> you know, not, 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 not that one specifically, because when we're doing the references, we have a couple in, in, in the pipeline at any point. Yeah. Um, and, and most of the references that we started and are now getting published are to do with 8 and 8.5 upgrades in Deos. So there really yet hasn't been a swing back to the app dev side. It'll remain to be seen if in, in post-John Von world whether that comes back around. But um, I don't think we've ever been asked do we have any app dev references, to be quite honest. And as a general rule, I don't really I, – I, I won't try and find references to, to just go out and make myself the pain of sticking myself in the eye with a pencil for 12 months to get the reference published. Because I, I, think, I think that's one of the challenges, isn't it? And it, it keeps on coming up every three months or so, is, is that people ask 
or, or say on Ed's blog, we need more references, we need more statements that you know Coca-Cola or somebody else is using Lotus. And, and then Ed and others respond saying, well, we need business partners and customers to agree to be references, and that's difficult to get. And then we as partners say, well, it's too difficult to create the references, you have to go through too many IBM processes to do that. And we kind of go through this discussion each time. And I guess one of the interesting things is by taking this meme, if you like, and developing it, can we shortcut some of that process to get more of these stories out there in the open, even if we can't mention customer names or can't talk about it in particular detail? Is it still worth us talking about it in enough detail for people to be aware that this kind of thing's going on? Anybody have a feel for that? I mean, D Darren, would you, would you, you know, would you be able for, the, for those references that you say are too difficult and need to put pins in your eyes? Could you just do a you know, half a page blog post telling people about that kind of project without giving away too much? Yeah, we, we, we've got a place on the website for, for case studies on the STS site and on the blog. And, and that's where we've been publishing them and, and now we're kind of doing co-publishing. We may do one then submit it to IBM and then maybe IBM will publish it internally or externally. So we, we've been doing that for, for a couple of years now. We did fall off the wagon for a while um, just because we got so busy. You, ne you never go back and, and look. And my, my feeling there is, I think it is a business partner's duty or maybe just someone doing this because they make a living doing it. You don't have to be a business partner. Maybe you're just independent. That you might want to put a place on your, on your website, on your corporate presence, quote unquote, and just extol the values. I mean, I, I, had a, I think I had a tweet on this a couple of months ago where I said, you know, a lot of our customers are, are serial entrepreneurs, and these guys are multi-millionaires. And they just start one day. They say, "We're going to start another company because I'm bored. I've just sold my old one for twenty-four million dollars. I'm going to start again. Buy me servers, buy me Domino, buy me the licenses, and I'm going to build another business. And seven or eight years later, they'll sell it off for twenty million dollars, and they'll start again. So, do you want to be like a serial millionaire entrepreneur, or do you want to use?" something else and to me the, the, the thing is obvious <laughs> I, do what the successful people do don't do what the failed people do and I think we need to get that message out there a bit so I think you're right Stuart maybe we take this a bit, bit further maybe we don't need a notes app store maybe we need a notes success store mm. yeah I, do, I think I really like the Lotus Nose branding and I, you know there's certainly something to be done there with with pushing that product, uh, pushing that message with the successes behind it. Well, you know, hopefully this is something that people in IBM will listen to and, and maybe take forward. And, and I think it would be worth spending a little bit more time on over you know uh, coming weeks to to kind of delve into it in a little bit more detail. A couple of stories that um, that we can rattle through fairly quickly, hopefully, are about complexity. Um, we had a. An interesting post from on Darren's blog, actually, com, I think, um, talking about licensing and particularly um, licensing of utility server. Um, Darren, do you want to quickly sum up what you were talking about there and also what you found out? Did you get a, a final answer in terms of whether anonymous access was allowed? I don't think we did. Uh, <laughs> so the, the long and the short of it is that there was a, there was a comment in Nathan's guest post to... Tim Chipkin's on Tim Chipkin's blog, that pretty much said, "You can't do anonymous access on Domino Collab on any Domino X 
Express, Domino Collab Express or Domino Mission Express. And Nathan responded that he thought he could. So I went out and read the license. And the license seems to allow anonymous access to any web application on any Domino platform. And it doesn't preclude that specifically in, a, in the license. Now, there is an FAQ that IBM put up that mentions Domino Collab Express is specifically forbidden from using anonymous access. So I, I blogged about this. And Ed had a couple of comments on there around this that he said, you can use anonymous access on any Domino server. That's free. And then I pointed out the FAQ and he came back and he said, well, I need to check to see if that is just old and should be removed or whether it was put in there for a reason. And, and I know Ed was traveling, so I haven't actually pestered him about him yet. Um, but as, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm not a lawyer, so check with your lawyer, but there is nothing in the license prohibiting you from having anonymous access on any Domino server, period. Now, I said anonymous. Authenticated access changes that. If you have any type of authentication, you need to pay for a license or utility server or utility express. But if you've just got a website, like a blog, for instance, and you don't have people authenticated to comment on a blog, the way the license is written today, you should be allowed to do that. That's and we can't get a straight answer. Okay, well, I look forward to hearing an answer if we, if we ever do get that. Sorry, was that James coming in? No, that was it's, uh, Andrew. Sorry, Andrew. Um, when you say Domino server, what's that mean? I've been embroiled in IBM licensing for the last couple of weeks trying to sort out our renewals and right. it's a complete nightmare. So when you say Domino, so we're doing quicker Domino, which right. we've got a per user license for if you allow any anonymous access to quicker you have to switch to a PVU licensing model. Yes, you need actually so that's correct. Changes um, yes. And I mean, the IBM licensing thing, it, it really is a, a nightmare. We put 10 specific questions to, to IBM. They couldn't answer most of them. They didn't know the answers to most of them. And Send the ones them to that me. They, <laughs> the, the ones that they could answer, they were told that they were not allowed to put those in writing, not even in an email, because they're their licensing terms are subjective. So let me, qua- that's, let me, that's let me qualify what I was talking about. I, I'm talking about an actual NSF being accessed anonymously across the web. And that, is, that does not include same time, nor quicker, nor any other third-party application that IBM provides that sits on top of Domino. Because quicker and same time are licensed differently than Domino. For, in, as, as a matter of fact... To pull up a same time server, you don't need to buy Domino, and to put a quicker server in, you don't need to buy Domino. You just need to buy the Cal, the, the quicker Cal. Right. So okay. the license terms on the on the third party, and I'm I'm saying third party by meaning non-native. I, IBM didn't buy these from Lotus. So when when they bought the, the Domino server, the native Domino server access to an application, a blog, a, a team room, an application maybe you've knocked up. You can the, the license stipulates, and Ed agreed with me to, to, on the most part here, that the license stipulates anonymous access to these applications over the web is allowed without needing to purchase utility. Utility, at least today in the licensing world, is only for authenticated access. 
confusing Cast- thing then is that that's not the same across the Lotus portfolio then. So, so that's true of Domino, and it's great we've had that clarified and be good to have it confirmed. But, but then it's different for Quico and it's different for Quartal and it's different for Connections. So, um, I, I guess something that IBM could work on is maybe standardising across those to make the anonymous piece a little bit easier to understand. And one of the things that's missing is. Yes, so you are right. I think they should standardize on that. And if they don't standardize, they need to give us a way to tier the utility of the extranet licenses and the name differently. So in the Domino world, it's utility. In in, in Quicker and Connections, it's PVU, which is extranet licensing. So the terms are even different. And one of the problems you have in, in, in utility and extranet is I may be on Express, but once I go to 1,001 employees, it's going to cost me the better part of 24 grand to get legit. Can I add two things to this conversation? Please do. Um, I'm not, I am not going to simplify things. I'm just going to complicate things far more. <laughs> uh, you guys should think about uh, Lotus Foundation Server as well. Take a good look at that license. You'll find some interesting things in there. And also Lotus Live Nodes V2 on the, on the AWS uh, cloud. You need to take a look at that licensing as well. So, but on, There's on some found- interesting things in there. On foundations, you have to use the Apache web server, don't you? Or, or can you enable the Domino web server? No. It can be hacked. Of course you can, you can hack it. it. No, you don't have to hack it anymore. You, there's a parameter on, in, in the latest version. You just click on it and it, it will use Domino as the primary website. So take a good look at the licensing agreement in there. You'll be pleasantly surprised. Okay, we have to do that. I think we haven't discussed foundations much on This Week in Lotus so far, so maybe that's something we can delve into again in future weeks. The other piece that I wanted to discuss while Andrew was on is, is around identity management, which is, is certainly complex today with a lot of the Lotus products. Um, something I do an awful lot of is, is Lotus Connections and Quicker. And, and the whole piece around how you administer... Um, identity management on connections, particularly where you have different groups of users who want to have different information. So perhaps, um, you know, you have staff and students or you have uh, maybe an internal versus an external site. You need to have multiple instances of connections today. And I think that's that's an area where Andrew's done quite a bit of work. So Andrew, do you want to talk us through maybe some of the, the challenges perhaps you've had in that space and, and maybe something that you think IBM could do about it? Yeah, okay. Well, I'll give it a go. Um, yeah, so as I said, at the moment I work for Cardiff University. Um, we use Lotus Connections. We've got you know we've got staff, we've got students. We also want to collaborate with um, external researchers. Uh, a lot of the work that the academics do is is done collaborating externally, not necessarily with people within the organisation. Think the the security model around profiles is quite weak in that there isn't one. Uh, People need to be able to control who can see what about them. Um, I know you've got profile types, but that doesn't really fit for most use cases. Um, The external collaboration thing is an issue. I know that IBM struggle with this as well because they've got lots of people who've got lots of profiles on lots of different installs of Lotus Connections and it's a nightmare trying to keep those in sync. Um, What I'd like to see is some sort of federated model so you have one profile that's distributed everywhere. I'd also like to see 
well, some sort of profile security model introduced so that people can control who can see what. Um, and we're talking about them. making that a little bit more granular, like the Facebook um, authentication, yeah, so, so you can say, you know, my phone number is available to everybody, but my address isn't, or something like that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've dubbed it the Facebook security model, which is which is probably a bad name mm -hmm. <laughs> given Facebook's recent lapses <laughs> of uh, <laughs> privacy. Um, but I mean, that, that I mean that's that's where. I'm kind of, um, and I know you've got experience, Andrew, with other vendors, with people like Atlassian, and I know you've seen a lot from you know Socialtex and so on. Are there any other vendors that you can see that are doing this, you know, well, or, or that IBM could kind of think about as a model, or, or just just some ideas as to you know who they could copy, if you like, to to improve this kind of process? Yeah, I think Jive are doing this quite well with their bridging modules, um, particularly around internal and external communication so that I've been really impressed with Jive SBS been playing around with that quite a lot um, recently and I think I think they're on the they're on the right lines um, with that um, yeah. we're talking about other sorry go on no I was, I was just going to open it out actually Darren and, and James if, if you had Kind of similar requests from customers that need that kind of mul almost multi-tenanted or federated type approach. Yeah, but you, I mean, you've got to you got to understand that it's a, it's a connections, especially it's a two point five product, and what you start to see is user adoption starts around the two point and accelerates through the three point and about the four point is when we start to add management tools around that. So, you know, I think it's it's it, it's probably coming. I don't know that. Um, I I don't see what's on the roadmap for connections for. But if you look at a true a true release schedule on most software development platforms, and by that I mean not Microsoft, because Microsoft just start at like eight. <laughs> but if you, if you do a one and you do a three, a two, and a three and a four, that's kind of where it, it it accelerates in the management tools because we're we're so concerned about features and functionality and 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 adding in and making it usable and then getting user adoption. That unfortunately, the management tools are bolted on last. And if you look at Domino historically, that's kind of what happened. If you look at Portal, that's almost what happened. Um, quicker, it's going through that right now. So, you know, I wouldn't worry about that yet um, uh, to a certain extent in, in connections. I think a shared federated repository is going to have to come. Otherwise, you, you end up with exactly like what IBM have. I, I don't know how many connections profiles I must have in IBM now. Um, I must be on at least 12 different connection servers, and there's got to be some way to federate them. I think it needs to happen. Um, James, I think you mentioned in, in the chat a Tivoli product that you think might be able to help. Yeah, we've been looking at how to solve um, federated identity management uh, within our, our estate where... Um, you've got different organizations that need to share data, but you don't want to do horrible things like getting their Active Directory domains or anything like that to, to trust each other. Um, so we've been talking with IBM about using Tivoli Federated Identity Manager as a way of generating SAML tokens so that the um, identity is always owned by its home organization. So 
domain A talking to domain B, but your website is hosted within domain B and you need domain A users to get to it. So the user's identity is, is, is authenticated within domain A and they come into domain B with their SAML token proving their identity. Uh, and then the Tivoli product, which, is, which uses the web seal proxy and the federated identity manager says, okay, I trust where this person is coming from. I trust the information that is in this um, SAML token. Therefore, you are authorized to use this website using this role, whether that be author, editor, owner. So it sounds, sounds like that's great from an authentication point of view. Um, yeah. So, so how you how you allow access to to others, but that may not help in terms of the content around a profile. Um, so, again, that's something. It's not worth- not necessarily, but if you're trying to, you know, if you've got multiple different user groups coming to your content, it would give you a flexible way of not having to own the identity yourself which is what a lot of people don't, you know, they don't want to do that. They don't want to be the, the owner of the, the, the owner or the, uh, the, uh, the identity database themselves. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what we'll do. James and I, I think, we'll, we'll have talk about this offline and we'll see whether that, that might prove a, an answer to some people's questions around that identity management piece, particularly with connections. And again, we can delve into that a little bit later or we'll put on something on the blog. So um, just the final topic we're going to run into before we get onto our tips. So uh, guys, make sure your tips are ready, um, is around events. It seems to be as we get towards the um, autumn that uh, all the user groups kick off. Uh, there's been some through the summer, but but we've got quite a few coming up particularly um, this Collaboration University, which is um, scheduled for September in London and Chicago. Uh, have any of you here been to Collaboration University before? Nope, just, nope. Nope, I have. I, pre- I presented at it too, so I'm slightly biased, but um, tremendous if you're interested in quicker and same time particularly, and there's some connections content as well. There is a paid event, um, but it's really is the best training you can get in, in those kind of areas. So have a look at collaborationuniversity.com. There's also some some lugs. Um, there's the iLug coming up, the Irish Lotus User Group, which is in uh, November 10th to the 12th in Belfast. Um, that's uh, a really good event run by Paul Mooney and with some help from Warren Ellsmore and Eileen Fitzgerald and other people in the community. Uh, that's well worth going to, particularly if you haven't been to uh, Northern Ireland before. That's a, a great event to, to be aware of. That's at ilug2010.org. Um, Darren, are you aware of, of any in the States? I think there's Tri-State Lug coming up soon. Yeah, Tri-State Lug and MW Lug and then the I Am Lug. So uh, there's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, there's tristatelug.org. That's coming up in October, October 11th. I Am Lug is in St. Louis. Uh, that's in... Uh, August, early August, that's coming up a little bit sooner. That's at iamlug.org. And the other one is MWLUG, is that right? Yeah. Which is Midwest, is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's nowhere near the west, west, but it is near the mid, so yes, <laughs> that's correct. <laughs> okay, I'm just having a quick look on their site to find out when that is. Uh, oh, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, August 19th to 20th. So there's lots going on there, well worth getting to if you're available for, for those events. So let, let's move on to our, our tips then. 
Um, what, what we do is we talk about a tip, um, might be a site, a feature, a product, uh, or a technique that you've used in recent weeks um, that you want to share with other people. So, Darren, how about you lead us off? What's your tip for this week? Um, so, we talked about hybrid drives a couple of weeks ago, and I eventually got a couple of hybrid drives into the office. And a hybrid drive is effectively a mechanical drive with a 4-gig solid-state drive bolted on. And... Oh my God, you just need to go out and buy one. They're like a hundred bucks. It changes your computer amazingly. Um, I'm spoiled because I have a, a pure solid state drive in my, my laptop, but we put a couple of solid state, uh, a couple of hybrid drives in, in the work computers, and everybody is high fiving me as I walk through the office. They're so happy. <laughs> so, what kind of speed improvements have you seen? Have you, have you taken any measures? Yeah, so on the blog, there's there's a couple of different metrics, but you, you see about an 80% reduction in boot-up time and about an 80% reduction in note startup time. Wonderful. Goodness me, yeah. that, that's an improvement. Is is there one particular you would go for at the moment? Well, there's only, there's only one right now. Seagate make it. It's called a Momentus XT, and it's available in 250, 320, and 500 gig models. Um, and right now it's retailing in the States. The 500 gig model was like 129 bucks. Okay. It is nothing short of amazing. If you only buy one thing this year, buy that. Excellent. Okay, we've got, uh, we'll have some links in the show notes to some blog posts that Darren's written as well, um, talking about the performance improvements. Um, so how about Andrew? Can you go next? What's your tip? Yep. Um, my tip is Dropio. Um, which a lot of people confuse as being a Dropbox clone, but it's really quite different. So Dropio allows you to create a um, a file, uh, sorry, a folder on a on a web server that you can drop any sort of files into. Um, but you can collaborate around those files, and the drops can automatically expire um, at a at a time that, that you specify, so whether it's a week after last access, a month, a year, um, so they're, they're really, really useful for quick, easy collaboration, and it's just drop.io is the, is the web address. Is that a free service? That's free. I mean, it's a similar model to Dropbox in that it's free, but then you can pay for extra storage. Okay, great. Okay, we'll again have a link in the show notes to to that site. James, how about you? In terms of a product for me to promote, if you like, um, as part of the big project that we've been doing for our customer, we've been migrating migrating Domino servers from regional data centers through to uh, down to centralized national data centers. So the problem came how do we update everybody's notes configuration give them new icons change their notes in ease etc so we looked at two different products uh, which was the Pana agenda marvel client and also install pump and um i i really liked both of them install pump for me I really got because it was very GUI driven and for updating uh, and doing in place upgrades of of uh, clients you know even going from 4.6 up to 8.5 brilliant 
that's all it does. That's all install pump does is does notes. Great understands it works with it uh, however in the end we actually chose the the pan agenda uh marvel client because for doing domino moves and large scale and and, and these are hundreds if not thousands of users moving at, at, at any one time you know the the scripting and the ability to update uh configuration uh workspace icons icons uh, en masse it's just been absolutely brilliant and saved hours of uh, hands on and I, I can vouch for Marvel Client as well we've used it with a customer that was um, moving domino domains uh, aggregating them into into new domains and it it worked a, a dream for them it's, it's not particularly cheap but it does a very very good job mm. in that kind of situation Darren have you used either of those? I uh, used both of them I actually like both products and you know they both have different functions if you need them and yep. I'll kind of second Stuart's comment that Marvel is not necessarily cheap but it does do literally everything you'd ever want to do Brilliant, okay so so moving on to Ray before I come and strangle your bird in the background, do you want to bring us your tips for this week? <laughs> sure don't, don't buy a bird <laughs> if, I, if I disturb them they'll all wake up so I'm not going to do that um, I have two tips for me uh, this morning in the UK Your Freedom was launched, did you know about that? brilliant it's like a blog website where you can uh, try and repeal all the silly laws that's been put in place it's very very good I heard today um, obviously it's not on our technology but it's very good I heard today that if you, uh, see, a gray, if you see a grey squirrel in your garden you have to report it is that right I think that's one of the laws that's still in, uh, in the statute oh you can repeal that now you can repeal <laughs> that now <laughs> and uh, it's called your freedom which is very good <laughs> My okay, favorite so, so was the, uh, sorry, just my favorite was uh, you're not allowed to die in the House of Commons. <laughs> I don't know what they do to. if you, yeah, yeah you're not allowed. To. It's illegal to die in the House of Commons. I don't know what they do if you do. Probably <laughs> fine. Given where you're from, okay. as well, Andrew, you're not allowed to kill a Welsh. Sorry, you're allowed to kill a Welshman in. York with a bow and arrow or something as well. I think is still allowed in the uh, in the UK laws. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And in Chester, if you find yeah, the Welshman Chester. in Chester. Chester. Yeah. Okay. Chester's a famous one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Carry on. Okay. Uh, my tip two to tip two is a little bit longer. Uh, this week I did the keynote at Naval Branche. We are doing a lot of stuff with Domino in the Amazon cloud. Um, it's very, very good. You just go to Amazon, get an account, you sign on, you go to the AWS console, then you go to you go and look for a thing called an AMI, which is an Amazon uh, image. Uh, you go into the community and you search for Domino, and what you'll find is a development image that uh, Michael Masterson, who is part of Ed's team, has put up there. Very, very good. You can use it for free, for development only. Uh, you click on it, it creates the instance for you, and all you have to do is pay Amazon. But the good news is, I've been running a Domino server on there now for nine days, and I've been hammering the server uh, to do these presentations at the Open Source Conference and uh, Novell. And the total cost for me so far, one dollar. One dollar. That's how much the instance has cost me. So all you have to do, get an Amazon account, go to the Amazon, uh, the AWS console, create your instance. Very simple to do. Michael has put some really good documents up in the Domino Wiki. And uh, use this server in the cloud. It's very good. You can choose the UK nodes, uh, sorry, Europe nodes, the US nodes, or Singapore. Very, very good. 
So when we talked about last week with um, Eric and, and Michael, how developers might be able to get a chance to play with some of this new technology, that might be a way forward this, for them? This, this is what we've done to answer that question. We just didn't tell people about it. You can go there. So, for instance, if you <laughs> – that's what we do. We don't tell people about stuff. <laughs> so if you work in an, in an environment in the day that's locked down and you want to do X-Pages development, just go to AWS, create your own Domino server, and just go nuts. It, so, so, so far, nine days, one dollar. I mean, you can't argue with that. Wonderful it's uh, completely free. The, the Domino server is completely free, but you must use it for development only. There are production Domino servers coming up very, very soon. Uh, but for now, there's only a development instance. Is, did, didn't Amazon go down the other day? Everybody goes down. <laughs> uh, and this year, a lot of people are going to go down with all the sunstorms coming up. And the World Cup. <laughs> those, are my, those are my tips. Great, thank you. And, and a quick one from me. Um, if you've listened to other episodes of this podcast, in fact, if you listened to the beginning of this podcast, you'd have heard our ad for Moo.com. Um, so I, I can hold my hand up and say we are linked with them in terms of advertising. But an honest tip is they're really great business cards and, and cards you can use in your business. Um, they're, basically, you design uh, the graphics and the text to go on your card. Just go to their site, create the cards, get them shipped out to you come out very, very quickly. They have a UK and a US store, um, so you can buy in, in your local currency if, if you're in one of those countries. Um, and I particularly love the mini cards. Um, they always start a conversation when I hand them out in meetings, just because they're so different to the average kind of size business cards that most people give out, and very, very much better quality. Um, so do have a look at Moo.com. There's a promo on our um, thisweekinlotus.com site offering 10% off, so that's, that's a good way to get started with, with Moo. So that's our, our tips for this week. Um, thank you to all our guests for, for taking part. I know we've gone over the hour again this week. One day we'll get under the hour, uh, but it, it's just interesting to have these conversations with people. So let's go around the table one more time. Um, just if you could tell listeners how they can get hold of you, uh, where your blog is or your Twitter and so on, that would be great. So how about we start with Ray? Uh, mine is very easy. I'm in Malaysia. Uh, my email address is ray at mi.ibm.com. Simple. Simples, as it says in the advert, if you're in the UK. <laughs> uh, Darren, how about you? Blog.darrenduke.net or .com and Darren Duke, all one word, on Twitter. Great. And Andrew? Uh, I mostly reside on Twitter, where I'm at Spherical N. And we'll have a link to that in the show notes. <laughs> <That's really laughs> well. uh, okay, and James? Yep, mostly found on Twitter too, and you can get me at CadBadly. Okay, great. And uh, find me on Twitter too, um, as Stuart McIntyre with a U. Um, okay, thank you to everybody for taking part. I hope you've enjoyed listening to um, episode six of the podcast. We'll, of course, be back next week with yet another roundtable. So until then, have a great week. All opinions expressed during this podcast are those of the participants only and do not necessarily represent those of their employer. This Week in Lotus is sponsored by Moo.com, the home of the finest custom business cards mini cards, postcards and much more. For more information and for details of exclusive promotional offers, browse to thisweekinlotus.com. Moo.